player mechanics wise, uh, just reading through, it seems like you've kind of upped the power level, for lack of a better term, for a lot of the player classes. I think I think if you just compare like a 5e thief and just the buffs you've given to the scoundrel, like the scoundrel seems much more powerful. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm Nolan. Gentlemen, we are joined today by a couple of individuals from Free League. As everybody knows, we have been raving about Free League and the games that they put out, especially, Zach, especially when it comes to the runes of Symbrum. So we reached out to Free League, and boy, did they respond. Because joining us today are Matthias and Jacob to talk to us all about Simbrum. So we're going to throw it over to you first. Matthias, introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do when it comes to the game of Simbrum. Hi, yeah, uh, my name is Matthias Jonsson, Hake, and I live and breathe in Sweden uh, to, together with my fellow comrades in, um, in Free League. I am one of the co-owners and one of the brand managers. I primarily work today on Symbarum, which I also created, co-created with two of my very good friends. Is it like, it's starting to be six or seven years ago now, since the original Symbarum game hit the market. So, um, but my days are, uh, I work full time uh, making games, primarily role-playing games. Uh, so I can't complain about the job situation, at least. That that doesn't sound like it's too difficult of a, a thing to not enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's a job, so sometimes. That's fair. That's fair. And Jacob, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jacob Rogers, um, and I was brought in to help out with Ruins of Symbrum, the 5e conversion of Symbrum, allowing us to introduce the setting to a brand new set of players. I see behind you on the whiteboard a bunch of math stuff. Are you a math teacher <laughs> in your daytime job? Uh, just to the kid. Oh, okay. No, no, not, not a teacher, but just the kid's been having a little bit of trouble with math, so we've been working on stuff. Excellent, excellent. Well, That's like I said, cool. we are here to talk about Symbrum because I know the three of us have completely fallen in love with the setting. We haven't even played the game yet. We've um, When we saw the... When we saw the Kickstarter, we were all very intrigued by it. And then we watched the video. We did a little bit more reading about Symbrum, grabbed the free um, setting guide in, in Undrive Through RPG, and just kind of checked it out and were blown away. I know Zach immediately went back and backed the project. Uh, and so we'd also been experienced uh, or had experience of Free League stuff through the One Ring, which I'm a backer of. Um, and, 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 and of course, Vessen, which is another game that just completely blew us away. So we are definitely fans of Free League here at 307 RPG with with Symbrum kind of leading the way. And so we've talked about it. We've raved about it. We've raved about the art. We've raved about, raved about the layout of the book. Matthias, I want to go to you first and, and talk to you about Symbrum as a setting and how it came to be and, and just how this brainchild of yours has become this game. Oh, wow. I will not hint uh, to the... That, that I haven't been met by this question before, because I have, like, often. Uh, and But every th time it's, it's post, I, I get bewildered and confused and don't know where to start. So what it is, is we started making role-playing games, me and some of my friends, for publication around the turn of the millennia. 
and we did them in Swedish only first. We did a version of, I don't know if you have seen the Mutant Year Zero, which is a free league game today. Uh, me and my friends, we did, a, you can say, a prequel to Mutant Year Zero, like the, the version of the Mutant game that came before Year Zero. And we also created from scratch a, a little game called Coriolis that later became a free league game. We sold the IP to free league and today's free league is actually two smaller companies that have, have merged and oh. kept the name free league. But <clears throat> the three of us who, who made Symbarum, we had actually put like role-playing games creation on the shelf to be able to invest in education and career. And yeah, we also, you know, at that time had families with small children and such. So we decided that we, we, we can't, we don't have time for this kind of time consuming, consuming hobby, but it took like two years and we were on a role-playing trip to Istanbul, me and my friends, and sat in the shade of the blue mosque sipping tea and decided that we cannot live not creating role-playing games. So, and, and that was like established in a heartbeat. So the next question became, so what do we do next? And we have always been fans of fantasy. We have mostly played fantasy role-playing games growing up, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer, some Ars Magica, uh, a lot of Swedish fantasy role-playing games as well, of course. Uh, so we decided to like take a, take a stab at the, uh, it's, it's crazy. This is a crazy project trying to make a fantasy role-playing game that has, you know, the potential to stand out in the multitude of great games and great settings that are already out there. But we are either cocky or stupid because we said, we need to do this. And if we do it, we don't have time for a hobby. So let's try to make it real go for an English translation and whatnot. You know, Sweden, we have like 10 million people speaking Swedish or reading Swedish. So there's not much of a market to make a living out of. But yeah, we're going to translate it. And what we essentially did with, with the Symbrum brand is that we, we crafted the setting that we ourselves would love to play in, read about, and also to because one of us three uh, is Martin Griep, uh, Griep, the illustrator of many free league games, Symbarum, Coriolis, Alien, and whatnot. So we 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 started out basically with a brainchild that was born out of a campaign that we had played when we were younger. And then out of that campaign and that backstory, this setting sort of grew into place and became what it is today. Uh, so yeah, that was a super long answer that didn't even remotely keep to the question, but yeah. That's okay. You said that you, you want to create games that, that you loved to read about or settings that you enjoyed playing mm -hmm. in. Symbarum appears on the surface, at least from what we've looked at it, to be a very dark setting. 
and correct me if I'm wrong here. And it seems mm-hmm. like, I mean, I mean, we've looked at some of the artwork and seen some of the monsters and we, and all of us go, Nope, don't want to fight that just based on the picture. Don't want to deal with that at all. Mm-hmm. What is it about this darker setting that attracts you to it? First, I would like to argue that it is far from as dark as our own own world. So yes, it is darker compared to, you know, your standard type of heroic fantasy role-playing game. It is maybe even a little bit darker in a sense than the Warhammer fantasy setting, but there there is light in there. And I think that's the reason why you see all the darkness. Because sometimes you create settings that are so dark that it all becomes gray. In this case, you have the perspectives, you have the nuances, you have the, the contrasts that make the dark really and quite literally come alive. <laughs> so it, it is not that kind of game where you venture out as heroes knowing that you are, by definition, the good guys. And there are some evil folks or creatures out there that you will probably uh, be recognized for slaying or, I don't know, stealing the treasure or whatnot. It's very much a game of morals and perspectives in the sense that, that yes there is good and bad in in the world of simbarum but who would you define as good or bad is very much a question of what perspective you have on the the world so it is also dark in the sense that it is it it is kind of a a story of colonization that is quite brutal you have this a more civilized advanced kingdom that have had to relocate after big war and they basically colonize an, 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 a region where there are already different kinds of people living and, and they don't have the, their silk gloves on to put it mildly. They more or less take what they want and it is also so the col- colonist theme is quite dark as it tend to be uh, and then there is also the, I, when people ask me what, what is Simbarum, I often refer to to a quote, I think it was a German uh, reviewer who said that Simbarum is like Princess Mononoke meets Game of Thrones. Uh, and what I believe that he meant is what I, what I just said about perspectives and there's no true good or evil in the setting, that, that's like the you know Game of Thrones part of the analogy. Mononoke, do you know that show, uh, movie? It, it's about basically what would happen if nature had a capacity to, to react to being cultivated and exploited and twisted by the will of humans. So uh, there's kind of an <laughs> bit pretentious, but an environmental crisis factor built into the setting in the form that if you piss nature off it will come after you it will grow dark and vengeful and yeah well based on the artwork i can believe every word of that (laughs) jacob i want to go to you because you were brought in for the 5e conversion correct right and so you, um, if I remember correctly, Matthias said that you're kind of the 5e expert here. Uh, let's get a little bit of your history in role-playing and, and uh, what it is about this project that attracted you to it. 
Okay. I spent a long, long amount of time kind of doing my own thing in my own corner, you know, making games just for me and my friends. But a few years ago, I got heavily involved with The One Ring uh, when it first came out, and I just was absolutely blown away by it. And huge fan, uh, decided I was going to do everything I could do to help out because I just thought it was just, just, just an awesome game. And I did that for a long time, ended up going you know, with the previous publisher, going to Gen Con, helping them out at the booth, running uh, demo games and whatnot. Got to a point where I was actually involved with proofreading and then occasional writing and editing for the project. And then uh, with Adventures in Middle-Earth, the 5e adaptation came out there. Of course, there were a lot of people who were very familiar with Middle-Earth, but not a whole lot of people who were deeply familiar with 5e. And I was able to kind of join that project, not really for the player's handbook quite so much, but for the Lore Master's Guide and all of the work afterwards. So I ended up basically kind of, you know, being the converter translator of everything from the One Ring system to the Adventures of Middle-Earth, the 5e system. So that had worked out really well. And then, of course, uh, uh, One Ring had moved publishers to Free League. So we were uh, meeting everybody on that side. And I know there was some conversations between Francesco, the lead designer of the One Ring, and Matthias about you know, Simbrum and the 5e project, uh, and they recommended me. I had been aware of Simbrum, but not deeply into it. But then when I saw what Matthias was doing, I was just blown away. And I was very, very excited. I said, okay, well, let's go ahead and do a little teaser, which is the promised land, the, the free handout on drive-thru. And uh, I think Matthias was uh, was happy with what I did. We uh, decided, okay, well, let's go ahead and go for a complete project uh, and uh, took a look at basically the core rule book, the advanced player's guide, the monster codex and everything. Said, okay, well, we'll go ahead and translate all of this into 5e. So far, it seems to be going pretty well. I'm going to turn this over to my co-host because otherwise I will dominate the conversation and they'll let me. So, <laughs> so I'm going to throw it over to you guys because I know you both have some questions. Uh, Zach, we're going to start with you. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I got a few, but Matthias was able to answer at least my first two. So I'm just going to jump in maybe to my big one. When you decided to put out a 5e product, why Simbroom? You know, why? Like, I think it'd be hard, but I think you could do Mutant Year Zero. I think Forbidden Lands would have been an easy one as well. Why Simbroom? Is it just because you loved this one the most? Was there some company politics that uh, got into it? Or was this just the easiest one? No, I think it's, it's um, as I told you, uh, in... 2018, the two teams of Free League and my side of the, the, the team that is called Jan Ringen merged into one company. We have known each other since long before then, but from 2018 and, and onwards, we have been one company. And actually, the idea of converting Symbarum to, to the five 5e system or d20 as it was was called back then was was i i don't know it's been with us ever since we started the the Symbrum project in in swedish and then translated it to english because i think to us in that team the setting even i i mean the rule set we are super happy with the, the original rule set of Symbrum. It's 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 if if the setting is the setting we want to play in, uh, the the system is very much the system we prefer to to play. So uh, can't say anything about that. But you know, building a new to us the the setting is has always been most important, and we want it 
we want as many people as possible to be granted an opportunity to play in that setting and to experience that setting. So the fact that we were going to translate Simbarum or convert it to the, the 5e uh, rule set, that, that's not a new thing or a new idea. It was long before we became the new free league, uh, merge free league. So, but you can still raise the question, why not more conversions? Or why did we start with Simbarum? And when it comes to the, the, the two Mutant Tier Zero, we have quite a lot of, of material already. Uh, that's true. But not comparatively. Simbarum is already a much more developed setting than especially Forbidden Lands, which has not been out for very long. And we have only re released like two campaign books for it. Plus, it, it is also a setting that is, that is uh, it is also kind of gritty, but more like OSR in style. Maybe in some senses, uh, pretty close to, to that heroic kind of fantasy. In, in, I mean, you don't play heroes in, in Forbidden Lands. Yeah. Uh, you play you play raiders you play kind of harsh but it's still you know a, a little bit of hex crawling and and uh, and uh, dungeoneering and whatnot simbrum is very much defined by its main big story arc and that story arc with jacob's help can be told using the 5e system just as well as the the simbrum uh, original system, I think. So, again, a very long answer to your short question. Sorry for that. Amusing. <laughs> Amusing. <laughs> nope. We um, like long answers to that question. Yeah, given that there's such a developed setting uh, for mm. Simbaroom, everything seems very well thought out, um, which I absolutely love because at least you get to read about something even if you never get to play it, mm. which I think is a common problem. Do you have any plans for like large-scale advancing the plot type events or story adventures like going to be or, some kind of elf invasion plot line for players to play through and then after that you have to release a new setting because everything's different or are you just gonna like let it go leave it out there for players to experience our next next big project for the ruins of Simbarum game line is uh, a conversion of the let me call it massive adventure chronicle or campaign which is called the throne of thorns and it is a six part chronicle 200 pages something this is the part part four in swedish no less <laughs> uh, and uh, five uh, five episodes in this series is already out to the for the original system and i'm currently writing the sixth and final part for it. So next up for the Ruins of Simbarum, because we it, before deciding that we was going to do it, that it, it is quite an undertaking. We wanted to see that, you know, uh, the base core setting books uh, that we are, that we kickstarted, that they would be well received and of course, that the Kickstarter would do well, and it surely did. 
and also it's it's very much a question of you know it's a it's a team effort and it takes uh, it it we i mean we if jacob after working on these setting books said that like oh I, now i want to do i don't know the one ring uh, and other stuff uh, then then it would mean serious you know a step back for us so it takes that all of us are committed to and engaged enough to 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 make that happen but for me as the setting designer and the, the main writer of this chronicle Symbrom is very much this campaign the game has been when it comes to the setting and when it comes to to the rule set uh, the game as a whole has been designed very much to tell this epic story. And I think that with Jacob's conversion of the 5e uh, rules, or should I say the, the, the new rules that I, I assume you will want to talk a little bit about with Jacob, they will um, be a perfect foundation for, for telling this story once again, but to a new audience. Um, yeah, I think most of my questions kind of stem back to that conversion process for Jacob. Uh, do you, looking at the classes and subclasses and everything like that, it, did you find an easy conversion or was it hard to find stuff within the rule set to make some of those things? I, I feel like there's some original ideas that come across really well by just a, uh, just giving some things to a bit. The, the staff mage stood out to me as far as just that's a really neat idea. I hadn't seen that yet or wanted to play it and didn't know how to get there. Did it? Does it transfer easy or is there some stuff where you're like, this is going to be tricky? Oh, and there's definitely some tricky stuff. Um, you know, we've uh, had the alpha out for a few weeks and we're getting a lot of feedback, dedicated players, and uh, we are appreciating that. I mean, um, one of the things that I looked at, of course, you know, with the original syndrome, it's a, you know, classes system take you know, a archetype, and then you take, you know, particular powers. Uh, and so we, what we wanted to do was kind of come up with a system where the subclasses, the approaches, as we call them, were like, basically, as if you had been playing in the original system, and you had been trying, you know, for a particular kind of character, what powers would you have selected? You know, what, you know, so, you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, the approach was something that you could kind of recognize of like, yes, I could have made this uh, this sort of person in the original system, so you don't feel like you're being super locked in uh, to the class structure. Um, you know, it's like, okay, yes, I would have made this character, and this is the sort of things I would have taken, and now I've got them, you know, because it's just part of the approach. You know, we tried to, uh, very much for that, so that, you know, again, going from a class structure to a class structure, there's always going to be some things, well, you know, do I really want this or whatnot? Uh, but hopefully we've given you enough flexibility and enough different approaches. I, I definitely agree with that. That's it, that's the feeling I got from looking through it. Um, usually I'm I'm notorious from playing 3.5 and multi-classing and just seeing that you get something cool every level um, and, and it really... I can make what I need to without poaching or stealing or whatever. It, it's it's very well done. Had you played a lot of fifth edition before uh, yeah. uh, this process, or was it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a regular uh, 5e player and DM. So, uh, and of course, like I said, previous experience with Adventures of Earth also helped a whole bunch. That was another one where you take a very thematic setting and you work very very hard to you know introduce the themes into the mechanics. 
using the 5e and 5e is very modular surprisingly modular i think a lot of folks that are you know look at it initially and say oh you know no this is this is one thing you can only do one thing with it whereas in reality uh you can make adjustments um like uh what we've done with the rest and with the hit dice um you know we were able to say okay you know let's do this um and let's do it in a little bit of an unexpected way uh, so that we can have a stronger basis for the darkness that is inherent to Sembrum uh, and the danger that you should face when you go into the forest of Davakar or other dangerous areas. How difficult is it when, when converting something from the previous rule set to the new rule set? How difficult is it to keep the feeling of the uh, It can be a challenge for sure. Fortunately, I think that we had in our first draft versions, we had had a pretty quick win with uh, the corruption system and just the general feel. Like, again, the, uh, I think the corruption system and probably the rest mechanics, I think, were probably our two biggest wins uh, for the keeping it the, the right feel. And as long as we could kind of tie into that and say, OK, it's really important. Like hit dice are extremely important because not only are they new hit points for you, if you get a chance to use them that way, they're also your way of reducing corruption. Uh, so playing around with hit dice, using them or giving them back to you became a very important mechanism to work with uh, that was a little bit new. And then the same thing with basically the rest. If we you know, wanted to restrict things, uh, we always had that opportunity of the extended rest, uh, which you don't have in regular standard 5e. Because um, you definitely want to make it feel very dangerous when you're on the move adventuring. Which is actually something that we pointed out just in our first look over we, the, the, the way the rest was set up all three of us were like, oh, oh, that makes, and, and I think we both all felt that it made a lot more sense. Why would you get full resting ability after a long rest when you're out in the wild trying to protect yourself from stuff? It made sense that you had to go somewhere that was perfectly safe. So I think that was one of the things that immediately uh, stood out uh, to the three of us. Who felt, it feels right, too, if you've ever spent a week yeah. in a mountain. <laughs> and by day three, you're just yeah. like, like, there's no amount of rest. You have to find a bed. I would like to say as well that the converting Simbrum uh, to the 5e mechanic is not only about it's a merger right so and me and my colleague who's also named matthias inconveniently enough but i think jacob we have been very clear towards you uh, that we don't expect ruins of Simbrum to be exactly like Simbrum. it should be a merger one of the reasons we are doing this is because there are super many people out there who love 5e and who, I mean, we have had, I don't know how many game masters contact us and say that I would love to play this game, but my players only want to play 5e. So one of the, re and so the rule set of Ruins of Simbarum 5e should feel like 5e, which means that we can't go all in Simbarum, right? So uh, no. sure. No. Absolutely. Some of the, the, the people who love the original game will look at this and say, this is not Simber because it, I mean, even if we have made it a little bit deadlier, a little bit darker, it is still far from what the original system is, which is a game where, you know, uh, you want to try to avoid combat in, in the original system because it's so deadly. And it is so deadly because we want you to not you know unsheath your sword at every twist and turn and as soon as you 
face some kind of obstacle. Hopefully, with this system, uh, REST system that we have now in Ruiz and Simbarum, adventurers will think on not only twice, but three times before, you know, taking that fight because they know that it will take a lot of time before I get out of this forest to save grounds and can regain my hit dice or my hit points or whatever. So hopefully we're, but it's, it's, yeah. So it's a, it, it should it should feel like a merger. Yeah, yeah. 5e we, players should feel like this is a 5e game. Right, yeah. yeah. Whenever 5e you know, made sense for the world, mm. you know, we, we kept it in again. We kind of twisted things a little bit uh, towards you know, the 5e side of things, sometimes especially with some of the spells and whatnot. If there was a 5e spell that fit the general parameters of what the character could do in the original Symbarum, we kept it, which again, kind of skews a little bit more towards, the, again, the 5e side of things and you know, maybe a little bit more powerful sometimes. Uh, but also when we looked at the monsters, you know, each, uh, I think everybody who plays 5e knows that the challenge rating system, you know, is a little wonky. We did use it. I We did skew very close to the top. For example, if there's a there's a range for each challenge rating, right? You know, so many hit points, so many points of damage or whatnot. Uh, every one of the Simbra monsters are tweaked to the very top of that range for whatever that challenge rating is, uh, so that they are, you know, as dangerous as the, as they can be uh, for the rating. Uh, and we don't necessarily expect, you know, especially during the course of the adventures, you're going to find yourself in plenty of situations where you are not in a fair fight. That's perfectly fine. Again, you you may have to be very very cautious uh, during the course of the game. But yeah, you again, can always just... tuck tail and run, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And that is and something that is really that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We have yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good chase rules uh, if <laughs> you end up if they decide to follow. But uh, you know, again, if you want to take the uh, what we're providing to you and do a more standard traditional five E approach, where you go ahead and use the challenge rating, calculate out an encounter. Uh, you can do I, I definitely find that uh, with most D&D games, it's like, well, you wouldn't put it there unless you wanted me to kill it. So we're going to find a way to win. And so it's nice to hear it. It's okay to survive. Like, you're not supposed to. And it, it's okay to be a normal person. Like, yeah, that's a big dude. We probably shouldn't mess with that. So I think some of my favorite moments have been when we were just like, Pick now up the body and run. Time to go. <laughs> yep. Player mechanics-wise, uh, just reading through, it seems like you've kind of upped the power level, for lack of a better term, for a lot of the player classes. I think I think if you just compare like a 5e thief and just the buffs you've given to the scoundrel, like the scoundrel seems much more powerful. Was that intentional, or uh, over the course of the alpha, are you planning to pair things back, or are the monsters just so dangerous that like you got to use every trick? Yeah. There's going to be some adjustments based on feedback, of course, but the biggest thing, of course, is we wanted to make sure that everybody had something interesting to do at every level, uh, and we knew that we are putting people into very challenging situations, so you don't want to have somebody who is just you know, absolutely overwhelmed, so uh, you're still going to be managing resources. For example, you yes, you are powerful, you are capable, uh, but eventually those hit points and those hit dice run out, and they very run out very quickly. I think that it all balanced out pretty well. Playtesting so far has shown that. How much playtesting goes into something like we this? We were playtesting, I would say, yeah, basically weekly for a number of months. I can't even remember how much we've, you know, throughout throughout the development process. 
uh, we were playtesting uh, weekly for, you know, um, what was it? Matthias, do you remember when we actually officially started the work? I don't remember. It's been no, no, so much. I, yeah, it's, it's been, I don't, you know, again, six, seven, eight, nine months. I don't remember yeah, exactly when we originally started. Like but uh, yeah. When you when you start to play test something, obviously you know you don't just uh, well I would assume, and we're talking completely on the business side of things because that's what triggers my brain and fascinates me. When you when you move to to play test something, do you reach out to play testers that you know of, or is it just strictly people within the company? And if you do reach out to players that you know of that might be interested, do they have to sign a non disclosure agreement? What are some of the? And I know this has nothing to do with the game, but it's just what I'm absolutely fascinated by. What are some of the things that that you would make a play tester do before they're allowed to actually be a part of the play testing process? I have my own internal set of play testers that do have NDAs and everything uh, that I work with quite regularly, but we also did sit out to external groups. I'll let Matias talk a little bit more about that. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. already when we released uh, the freebie, the the promised land that you can find on on DriveThruRPG, people started contacting us and uh, was very much in love with, with the work we've done so far. And a couple of those groups or I should more say, more or less, uh, clubs, uh, role-playing game clubs. Uh, I developed sort of a, an email re- relationship with, uh, and so when it uh, when it was time for us to do, we actually before releasing this alpha, we had a pre-alpha that we had a couple of external groups, one in the UK and one in uh, Italy read through and play through over the course of a couple of months and their feedback led to some some adjustments and, and changes and a little bit of polish before we we were ready to circulate the alpha uh, as for your questions on ndas it's pretty individual depending on the project and uh, symbrom is our own brand we own it so we can do we can do you know a little bit like we like ourselves with that one but if we are play testing like a, a licensed game we have to be more formal when it comes to ndas and such but i mean most play testers they obviously know that they love to be part of the project and they want to keep being a part of the project so if they I know if we tell them that please keep quiet and please keep this to yourselves, they always do. So it's not 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 that big of a deal. Honestly, uh, it's not because you know we 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 like to be open about play testing. Uh, we, for instance, when we when we do like uh, Kickstarter campaigns or pre-orders and what what not, we always at least try to to get uh, an alpha or a beta uh, out to the backers as soon as possible because <laughs> you know that that in the end that makes the product so much better and if they talk about it to their friends and it's it's not a big deal it's not it doesn't hurt us in any way uh, because we we want them to feel like they are part of the process and that they also have a, a 
are free to like talk to to their friends and colleagues and whatnot, gaming buddies about what they have read and their their latest play test. And in the end, that also helps make the product better because they can give us better feedback, more thought through and discussed discussed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> disgusting um, feedback. I know you you said you're working kind of on this this mega adventure and so when when designing this is there a, a level that you see the heroes of the world? I know for 5e it seems like everything stops at 12 because after that point the power level is just insane. Is is there a high level adventure do people live that long in this world or do you usually like you eventually get eaten or the shadow corrupts you and now you're the 8th level bad guy we got to deal with. <laughs> yeah. I think for uh, Throne of Thorns, we're going to see people get to fairly high levels uh, when we get up there. So uh, there'll definitely be something higher than 12th level uh, for the big, huge campaign. And I think we will see we will see that kind of adversaries yeah. already in the beast <laughs> area. I, I know we, we get to see that stuff. And it's always the biggest downfall of I'm, I'm finally getting the good stuff. And now I'm level one again because we told the story and, and I'm forever level one. So I... We could just stop right now. I'm happy. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> just kidding. He just made his day. <laughs> I have a quick and kind of a weird question because I've only gotten to read the bestiary for uh, the original Simba Room. Like, how strong is like a Lindworm, like a big one, or like a troll that's kind of made it? Take it away, Jacob. Like, how dangerous? It, how dangerous yeah. is that? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just been a little while since we're actually in uh, uh, review and typesetting of the bestiary right now. It's actually been a little while since I looked at the actual uh, numbers. Uh, but trolls do have a variance anywhere from you know lower CRs up to middle uh, CR, and then the Linworm uh, and all the way up to the dragons. Those are pretty high CRs, I think. Uh, high teens to 20s, uh, depending on which version you use. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm... That's just for me. I'm just yeah. very excited it's to so create the beast and, area. Um, you know, one of the things that we found, I'm really, really interested in the uh, the various uh, oh. corrupted creatures because they do corruption as damage. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Matthias, I, I want to ask, because obviously you you are deeply experienced with Symbrum. Um, what is what is your favorite character class? Like when you get to play, what is something you're like, I'm playing mm. this? Uh, I always go for the ranger for some reason. Well, you're just making uh, no in right in now. yeah okay. <laughs> no, um, in the in the ruins of Simbrum system, I think uh, because there is no real ranger class, right? It's it's the fighter class, maybe. What what would I play in ruins of Simbrum, Jacob? <laughs> Well, um, there's 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 a warrior class. We have the iron. Uh, we have the have iron, the, um, like the captain class. I think the captain's one of the most interesting. We have, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have the right, iron yeah, sword hunter approach, yeah, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. That that would probably yep. be, yeah. That's a hunter's class. Yeah. Right. Okay. How about you, Jacob? What what when you decide when you're gonna play Simbrum or have you? <laughs> I just am a forever DM. DM. I you know. I, I very rarely play. Okay, so if you got the chance to play, if you got the chance to play, Ooh, what class um, would you That would be play? fun. I really, really like the captain because uh, the captain can influence everybody else uh, and mess around with initiative, uh, which I think is really awesome. So that's a definitive possibility. The other thing is that I do, when I have very, very chances I get to play, I do also go for ranger types, so an explorer type. 
uh, would probably be um, one, you know, a scoundrel explorer or, uh, you know, maybe a hunter. Let's talk about your favorite monsters in Simbroom. Jacob, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Matthias. What's your favorite oh. monster in the game? Or or what monster <laughs> terrifies you? All of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I had one of my playtesters. He just said, this thing is not, you won't fight this thing. This thing is going to kill you. No, um, I like the uh, the Necromage. I like um, the dragons and the lindworms and whatnot. Um, and um, King Toad is just fun. I like that. I like the King Toad as well. Okay, Matthias, how about you? Humans. <laughs> Ooh, I'm not even ki- kidding. Wow. So it's true. You are the bad guy. Yep. No, that that that's wow, the Simbrum that... answer. That's the correct Simbrum answer. <laughs> <laughs> I will say as a as the designer of this the setting. Uh, if I if I'm not allowed to select humans as the what terrifies me most, uh, I would probably uh, go for for the primal blight beasts, the the yes. hulking abominations that are roaming the depths of the Davokar forest. And if you meet one of those, you may, m- might remember that we talked a little about of turning away and just running. That's a super good advice if you meet one of those. You've you've made a couple of comments now, Matthias, that that really kind of hits home here, and that's that you know our world is much darker mm-hmm. than Simbrum, and humans are the are the monsters that terrify you the most. And I just think it's fascinating that you've said that because I can't think of a I, well, I shouldn't say I can't think of, but I definitely know, especially in recent times, my wife and I, and even my friends, you know, Nolan and Zach, have had these conversations where we said that. It's just we are never, never cease to be amazed by the depth of evil that exists within humanity. And goodness. So, I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's something we, the three of us especially, fight for. We talk mm. about, you know, being a good person, being a mm. decent person, treating people with respect, things like that all the time. It just it just really struck me as almost existential that you said those 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 things. And it just, I don't know, it adds more depth and richness to this game, in my opinion. One of the, the, the main things for people that sort of, discover Simbrum is the the role that the elves play in the game which is related to what we just talked about because the elves are they they occupy sort of the 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 role that an orc would uh, occupy in your standard fantasy setting like the default enemy because why yeah because you most often at least play humans you can in original Simbrum you have uh, Human Ambrian, you can play the human of the clan folks, the barbarian tribes, as the Ambrians call them, or you can play an, a goblin, a changeling, or an ogre. Uh, and all these are sort of, they come from the lowlands south of the forest. When they enter the forest, what they encounter are elves telling them to turn around, walk right out of, out of here, because we have an an ancient treaty that basically gives us the right to to use violence to force you to leave so and this is the iron pact the 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 age old uh, alliance of elves that are i mean they 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 would say that they are they are the protectors of davokar uh, this massive forest with all its secrets and ruins and and ancient knowledge and 
artifacts and whatnot that the humans want to harvest. The humans, of course, watch them as a pain. Uh, and when the elves say that, you know, if you stomp around here, the, the ancient evil of old Simbarum, the empire that was once here, it will come to life again. So don't stomp around out here. Uh, the humans is just, you know, they want to keep that stuff for themselves. <laughs> so, uh, but let's just, let's meet them with more armor and bigger swords next time. And we will have a different kind of argument. So yeah, so that's humans for you <laughs> in this setting. Uh, that and 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 I had um, I had many groups of players also saying that you know when you accomplish something in in Simbrum, when you finish an adventure and you succeed with your goal, first you are super happy and you know you high five each other, but then most often. You start thinking, okay, so we did this. Does that mean that we are the good guys? Or so you 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 never get to be that superhero that is always in in the right. There's always this, you know, ambiguity about yeah, what what is an accomplishment and what is it worth and for whom and yeah, as soon as you make an, a friend, you will probably also simultaneously make an enemy because everything is interconnected and everything stands for, for something. It definitely has that feel. And, and when you said Princess Mononoke, I mean, it just really does hammer home the, yeah. their perspective and being in the early cycles of the old ways versus the new ways, uh, mm. depending on what side you're on is right or wrong. Um, it it adds so much more to at, at some point you're just like we're all just trying to survive and we're all just trying to do it our own way and i i, I think that's what really is standing out to me as far as this goes like the that the art kind of paints this picture of it there is no beacon of good because like you said you've you've good job you did this but now there's 13 different ramifications of what you just did that you can't see mm -hmm. because you're so narrow-minded so it's it's been a lot of fun to read through, for sure. Yeah, it seems that people have quite a lot of fun playing it as well. Simbrum is one of those games that we released it in English in 2016, and it's been people are still discovering it, but and it seems like it's going faster. It's like a snowball <laughs> uh, growing, so it's it's been uh, and, and I mean the. Thanks to Jacob, we now have a chance to present this setting and its stories and its questions. And it's hopefully tons of fun to a whole new set of gamers that are, I mean, I know myself, the system is, it is, it is hard work learning a new set system. <laughs> so this way we can, we can cater to, to fans of two different systems with the same stories and the same setting. It definitely makes it easier because we play. We also play mm. in Scarlands from Onyx Path, which they converted to Five E, and it does make it easier for people to enjoy a new setting when there is this unified, almost unified system of rules. And I love the fact that Watsi has allowed people this open gaming license to create these games using the system, and especially things like the popularity of Five E through like Critical Role and other actual plays has just 
pushed 5e beyond anything i think wansi ever thought it would be and seeing these games come out we love i mean we enjoy forgotten realms we love some of the realms that that world uh wizards of the coast put out but we're always looking for something different one of the things that we loved about scarred lands is it felt like the land itself was trying to kill you like you had to be careful wherever you went and and it feels like simbarum has given us this this other this other area to explore that tickles that you know that 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 interest that we have that's not so I hate to use the term but kid friendly that Forgotten Realms seems to be I mean yes there's danger in Forgotten Realms but Forgotten Realms doesn't seem to have the danger level <laughs> of things like Scarlands or even the Runes of Simbarum so I think it's fascinating for those of us who want to try something different a little bit more dangerous so to speak to have these settings out there and I'm incredibly grateful that you guys decided to convert this to 5e that's not a question apparently it's just a statement of fact <laughs> I, me personally, it's a little bittersweet that Simbaroom 5e is coming out, because when I read the original Simbaroom, I was like, I'm going to make my friends play this. Like, I loved it. Yeah, but, but ha- have you tried? I, I yeah. haven't tried yet, because we have like three other games that we have to play, but I was like, when it's my turn, I'm going to make everyone play yeah. this game, and now 5e is coming out, and I know I'll be able to get more people to play the Ruins of Simbaroom. Well, from from experience, I'll tell you that so what may happen is you may say, oh, let's play this and we'll do it in 5e. And everybody will be like, wow. And, you, say, you know, there's an original system that fits this even just a little bit better. You know, well, you guys want to try that. That's what I'm going to do. You know, that, that happens. So I promise we you. have a Monday night game that we do over Discord. It's only a two hour game because it's a Monday night and everybody has to work the next day. And I'm the DM for that game. And if Zach and Nolan are OK with this, I'm just going to declare right now that our next setting, because we just finished our other one, is going to be in Simbra. I'm good by that, man. Yeah. Cool. Be good. <laughs> there you go. So we are going to start the Runes of Simbra for our next Monday night game. I, I, my only, like, as I know, we're kind of running out of time here. The only thing that I, I, I want, um, as a totally selfish thing here is if you guys ever find the time in your infinite business busyness, uh, if you guys do an art book, I will be right there for the first one. It, you, I mean, you, the, the illustrations are just so good and it sets such a tone and feeling always and grabbing something. Oh, he's grabbing, oh, he's grabbing something. <laughs> Is there one? Oh, man. we actually did this. Um, do you hear me? Um, I can hear you. Yep, we can yeah, hear you. Yep. yep. I didn't know if I was muted. This is the Symbarum art book that is in a very handy format, and it was made like in. Uh, I don't know if you see anything. Twenty seventeen, maybe. So just a couple of years into the the product line. So, uh, but this one is almost sold out. I think you can find it uh, through Amazon and and such still in the states. Uh, but we we will definitely look into it. It's just a question of of uh, convincing Martin that it's a good idea. We, we all agree that an art book for the games of free league in general would just be incredible because everything that we've looked at that that you guys are producing just blows us away yeah uh, we are lucky that way that we have you know martin is an in-house he's one of the co-owners as well so and we have uh, uh, another co-owner is simon stolenhag tales from the loop and whatnot and then we have very good friends like uh juan egekrans who did did the the vasen art book first and then we got to use his art when we we made a role-playing game 
So yeah, the art is a super important factor when it comes to immersion, I would say. But you know, you, pres you, you present the words in, in text, the world in text, but at the end, uh, <laughs> often, and, and uh, they are so good, these guys, that often if I write something and then I send it off to them to illustrate it and something comes back to me and it's not at all what I wanted, I rewrite the text because their vision of is, is so much cooler. Wow. So that, that has happened more than once, I can tell you. Well, we are getting close to our time limit, and I don't want to keep you guys any longer than necessary. But I do want to I do want to say I know the Runes of Symbrome is currently available for late backers. Uh, so, Matthias, if you could tell us how yeah. how people can access that and what is the timeline moving forward? Of course, there's all sorts of delays when it comes to printing and shipping and things like that. But what is mm. Freely's projected timeline moving forward with the fulfillment of this Kickstarter? The the late pledge option will not be open for very much longer. So I'm I'm guessing that we can post a link to the Kickstarter the page, and from the Kickstarter page you will find the bottom that says uh, "click here for late pledges" or whatnot. So and that will take you to our pledge manager where you can uh, make a late late pledge, and you can also read all about the the stuff and uh, that we we've got cooking. Timeline wise, uh, we in the Kickstarter we projected uh, to have fulfillment in February 2022. Uh, and currently it looks like we may be able to keep that promise. But again, uh, these days, especially uh, shipping and logistics in general, I mean, it, it I know for a fact that it's, it's some people have wanted to print a book and the, the, the printer says that they can't get paper yeah, because it's on a boat somewhere that is, is stuck somewhere and whatnot. Uh, so I, we'll all be very understanding. Yeah. Finger, fingers crossed, finger, fingers crossed that we will make it. Uh, it, it looks really good at the moment. Uh, and the feedback we get, is is not a reason to sh you know change that estimate because even if we get a lot of very helpful hints when it comes to typos and and uh, that sort of small errors, uh, I don't know what you say, Jacob, but it 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 isn't like we have to start over from from square one. <laughs> no, it, it, no, not so at all. We feel super good about the process Please. right now. Can you tell us what you're currently working on, or is that top secret information right no, now? No, I, I actually spoiled that a little while ago. I'm I'm yeah, I'm working oh, on did, the yeah. the final part of the Throne of Thorns campaign for the original game that we will hopefully be able to convert uh over the course of the coming two years. Very excited. How about you, Jakey? Anything that you're working on that you want to tell us uh, about? Well, uh, I've got in my queue the adventures that we're going to do that we unlocked as part of the uh, Winds of Symbrum uh, Kickstarter campaign. Uh, so that's in progress. Uh, and then there's a, another project uh, for Free League that is also 5e involving another deep setting, Middle Earth, that is well in progress as well. Yeah, we, we got to see, as a backer, we got to see the video of the uh, the book that was already printed in. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely clearly from what we can see, it looks like it's up to free league standards. So Yeah, which, I, which I, I was that. down in Stockholm. I actually live in the north of Sweden, so I don't live near the headquarters, but I was 
visiting uh, last week and got a chance to hold it and flip through it and it is uh, yeah yeah we're we're excited I, ho- I, I hope you will like it as much as i did oh i'm sure we will i'm sure we will mm. well uh nolan zach do you have any more questions before we we turn these gentlemen loose i i mean i have so many um but they're all just uh they can wait we, we can come they back can wait. i'd just like to I'd like to thank you for coming on and talking to us. Very, very excited for Simbaroom. I think this is the first time I've like read uh, a campaign setting where I've talked about this before. I think there's like worlds of adventure and there's worlds for storytelling. And I think Simbaroom's the first one I've read where I was like, I could tell a story in this, but people can go out and adventure. I'm very excited. And yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I want to echo that thank as you well. For staying, so. Your guys' time is, I know, very busy, and it means a lot for you guys to sit down and talk with us. We we are looking forward to it, and your guys' passion comes through, the excitement. Uh, it's and and yeah, it's just been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. It was super nice. The game is the Runes of Simbrum. It's currently available for late pledges for a very short time on Kickstarter. A link will be in the show notes. The publisher is Free League. Congratulations, by the way, to Free League for all the any awards that they won at Gen Con this year because there was some well-deserved awards, that's for sure. And we are super excited about the projects you guys are working on and especially Runes of Simbrum and the One Ring. Matthias, Jacob, thank you so much. Thank you. That is our show for this week, everybody. Uh, Join us next week as we have no idea what we're going to be talking about, but we'll surely get it figured out. There have been some PDFs that we got in advance. I know that they came from Beyond the Grave from Onyx Path just hit my inbox earlier this week, so that might be something we check out for next week. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.